All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Talking Redbird Baseball Podcast. My name is Lucas Fanbot, and I am your host. So we took a couple weeks off while the World Series was finishing up. We are recording this mid-November. So thought I would have a little episode on how the World Series ended. Um, you know, in Cardinal Nation, or really any team specifically, nothing crazy has been happening yet. Of course, we're still a couple weeks away from from all of that happening. Um, the World Series has now been over for a couple weeks. Uh, the Texas Rangers brought it home, um, won the World Series over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Nobody really expected the Arizona Diamondbacks to be here. Um, and really looking back in March, nobody really expected the Texas Rangers to be here either. So kind of fun to see a couple new teams in. It's the first uh, first championship in Texas Rangers history. Um, of course, the Cardinals have a little bit of history with them because we knocked them out of the World Series back in 2011. So, um you know, just kind of nice to see them win one. There's multiple ex Cardinals on the Rangers that you know are kind of nice to see them again win a win a ring. Jordan Montgomery, Chris Stratton, of course, we just traded them to Texas back in July. Mike Maddox, our old pitching coach, Adolis Garcia, who is a star for them. Um, you know, he's an ex Cardinal, so nice to see them all win rings. Um, but but now we move on, right? It's the it's the very end of the 2023 season. Nothing. Nothing too good happened for the Cardinals in 2023. So kind of a kind of you know kind of a nice feeling to just put a nail in the coffin of what the 2023 season was. Um, and now we can put our focus completely on the offseason. So, you know, I had an episode already about what the offseason looks like, what the Cardinals are going to focus on. Hopefully, um, of course, they've only made some minor moves, which I'll, which I'll talk about here in a bit. Um but again, nothing really free agent trade-wise should be happening until really uh, closer to the 1st of December when the GM meetings are starting and the winter meetings and um, and things like that. So again, don't expect a whole lot uh, since then, or I might, I'm sorry, until then. Um, here in about a week, we there is the what's called the non-tender deadline, which is a little bit hard to explain, but it's essentially teams' way of clearing out space on the 40-man roster for, you know, players that really just aren't making an impact, but they're not necessarily free agents yet. Again, we've talked about in past episodes before the arbitration process and how teams have control over these young guys for six years once they get called up. Well, you know, by year three or four, if they're not really cutting it, you know, the Cardinals or whichever team we're talking about aren't necessarily obligated to keep them for all six years. So they can just essentially just not tender them a contract or not give them a contract and they can hit free agency a little bit early just because again, they're just not really cutting it. So that deadline is coming up in a week. The Cardinals definitely have some players that are eligible um, to be non-tendered um, Dakota Hudson, Woodford, um, really those two, I can maybe see Andrew Kisner, but he'll probably stay um, just for extra catching depth. He really didn't have that horrible of a year. Um, those are really the only two that I see us maybe not tendering a contract to, but we'll see how, or how it turns out. Um, the Cardinals could actually save themselves a little bit of money. If they don't, if, if they get rid of Hudson and Woodford, it would be about six or 7 million. So, um, you know, not a ton in the grand scheme of things, but of course um, money that can definitely be better suited elsewhere. So, one thing that I did want to discuss before we get into, again, I have a couple players that the Cardinals added to their 40-man roster that other teams not intended already or maybe weren't going to tender a contract to, so the Cardinals just went ahead and traded for them early. 
Um, but before I wanted to talk about just some storylines that's going on in the NL Central right now. So the first big one is, of course, that Craig Council, the G, I'm sorry, the manager of the Brewers, was a um, quote unquote free agent this year. Um, the Brewers in his contract was over. Now he's one of the better managers in the league, so I knew that if he did not you know, signed again to be the Brewers manager that he would immediately sign somewhere else. Um, but the Brewers love him. He was a player for the Brewers. He's really been, again, an incredible manager for the Brewers the last several years. So I thought it was a no brainer that they would resign and he would continue his reign with Milwaukee. Um, but that is not what happened. The Cubs over doubled the money that the Brewers offered him. They offered him a five year, $40 million contract. That is a contract that above average pitchers or hitters get, not a manager. That is by far the biggest contract um, for a manager in Major League history. It, it, it equates to be about $8 million a year. Just, just for reference, the next highest paid manager in the Major Leagues is $4.5 million for, uh, per year. So almost, almost double um, council will be getting from the Cubs than the next closest manager. So kind of a shocking little transition here again going from going from one team in the NL Central to the next and the thing about this that we need to realize is the Cubs had a manager David Ross he was under contract for one more year so it's not like the Cubs had a managing vacancy that they had to decide against or whatever they they straight out or they straight up um flat out fired David Ross to bring in Craig Council. So, you know, they kind of did David Ross dirty. Um, again, it is a business in the grand scheme of things. And I know David Ross knows that. Um, but David Ross is a former Cubs player. He helped them win the 2016 World Championship with them, um, hit a couple big home runs for them in the World Series. And, you know, the Cubs haven't been great the last couple of years, but, you know, it's not that that's no fault of his. So, um, he is now out looking for a job. I'm sure it won't be long before he gets one because he's a pretty high-respected manager as well. But yeah, the Cubs officially have a new manager. And I think if we look at the optics of that, it it definitely indicates that it it is a sign of bigger things to come. I think the, the Cubs signed one of the biggest contracts in franchise history last year to Dansby Swanson, their starting shortstop. He came over from the Atlanta Braves. Um, the Cubs have... Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger set to become free agents, both of which they were paying 15 plus million dollars a year for. So that's, you know, 30 plus million dollars off the books. Um, and they already weren't even close to maxing out their payroll like they did during their World Series around a handful of years ago. So the Cubs have tons of money to spend if they choose to. Um, you know, I fully expect them to be in the sweepstakes for just about every big name player. Again, as a Cardinal fan, I don't want to see that, of course. Um, but, you know, if the if the Cubs sign Shohei Otani or some of these bigger name players, again, anything that's going to make the Cubs good, I am against. But it will be cool to see some of these big name players come to Bush Stadium, of course, if they're not going to sign with us. And, you know, it'll help maybe restart the rivalry of Cubs Cardinals, which has been kind of lackluster the last couple of years. Um, you know, the Brewers, on the other hand, again, if the if the trend is well, brain fart, sorry. If the trend of the Cubs is upward, the trend of the Brewers is definitely downward, right? They have um, their manager left for an intra-rival team. Um, their president of baseball operations, David Stearns, who was kind of the, the genius behind, you know, the Brewers' ability to draft. And, you know, they've been really, really good and made the playoffs for the last five years. Um, David Stearns and Craig Council were huge reasons behind that. 
David Stearns went and signed with the New York Mets. Okay. David um, Craig Council went and signed with the Chicago Cubs. Right. So you have the president of baseball operations and the manager both dipped for other teams. So those are big holes to fill. Um, the Brewers, we already talked about the Corbin Burns situation last episode. Um, yeah. Some of the best players on, on the Brewers will, uh, you know, be looking for homes probably because the, the Brewers are notoriously pretty cheap. So I, you know, again, the organization itself is maybe trending downward a little bit, um, but will probably be replaced by the Cubs. So the Cardinals will definitely have some competition in the NL Central again, um, hopefully if they can sign some pitching, which I guess we again, we don't know what they're going to do yet. So um, yeah, but that's it. That's really all that's going on in, uh, in the NL Central. Backtracking a little bit to the Brewers again, as we know, we talked about on a previous episode, three of their best players are potential trade candidates because again, they're they're nearing free agency in the next year or two. Um, the Brewers never, ever, ever re-sign their star players. They usually just let them walk in free agency. So the Brewers' typical move is that they, again, a year or two before they're set to hit free agency, they will trade them to to try to get as much out of the player as possible. So that way they don't have to spend $300 million to re-sign, let's, let's say, Corbin Burns. Again, Corbin Burns is their best pitcher. So expect you know some of these big-name Brewers players to potentially be traded away in the next uh, next couple of months, hopefully. But but we will see. You know, they may they may stick it out and try to contend one more time, one more year. And then, you know, if things aren't going very well, then they'll maybe um, maybe trade them in July or something. But but we'll see. Right. So nothing else. Again, kind of a not a not necessarily boring is the right word, but a little bit of a slow time of year right now. Again, the 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 lull after the World Series, but before the winter meetings start is just how um, just how it goes this time of year. But we do have, you know, I, I have a Cardinals roster update. Um, some some players that have gone, some players that have added to the roster, um, specifically three that we'll talk about. And then at the end of this episode, I'll go over, you know, the 40-man roster, which ones I potential potentially can see them non-tendering to, you know, eliminate off of the 40-man roster. Um, you know, maybe I'll start by explaining the 40 man roster as well. So, so for those of you that are not familiar with the 40 man roster situation and kind of how that works is on the active roster. So, you know, let's fast forward to June 1st, right? Right in the thick of the season, the active roster are players that are on the Cardinals roster. So that is made up of 26, uh, roster spots. And those are players again on the major league roster, not in the minor leagues, not hurt, right? They occupy a spot on the major league roster. But there is a little bit of an extended roster that we call the 40-man roster. Now, this includes players that may be on the 10 or 15-day injured list or players that are in AAA and they're close to coming up or, you know, as we've seen in the past, we have players that kind of bounce back and forth between the major leagues and AAA just depending on performance or injuries and things like that. And all of those players are on what's called the 40-man roster. A player cannot be called up to the major league team without being on the 40-man roster, right? So it's kind of like a prerequisite before you're able to be on the big uh, the big league club. Now, that 40-man roster is not allowed to expand, right? It has 40 spots. If spaces are running out or like in the Cardinals distance for next year, there are multiple, multiple minor league players that the Cardinals expect to make an impact next year that are not on the 40-man roster. So they have to make a spot for them. Or 
Again, the Cardinals have made it very, very clear that they want to go out and sign pitching this year, whether that be, again, a free agent or a trade or whatever. But as it stands today, our 40-man roster has 40 people on it. It is completely full. There's no roster spots available. So let's say in two weeks we go out and we sign Shohei Otani. Again, don't count on that. But just for examples purposes, let's say we go out and sign Shohei Otani. We would have to release someone from our 40-man roster in order to make a spot for them, right? So that's just how it goes in the major leagues. So we have multiple players on our 40-man roster that I expect to change by this time next year. So at the end of the day, or I'm sorry, at the end of this uh, episode, I'll talk about what our 40-man looks like. I'm not going to go through all of them, but just ones that I maybe expect to not be on the 40-man next year. Some players that I expect could maybe be traded that could, of course, make room on the 40-man as well, um, and we will go from there. So as of now, again, we're in the middle of November. Um, the only newsworthy kind of roster updates that have happened in October so far is that there were a couple players in the minor leagues that did elect free agency. Jacob Barnes elected free agency. Um, he was kind of a journeyman. He came over in July to the Cardinals, you know, when we had all those injuries and stuff. Um, not too big of a loss there. Next is Drew Verhagen. Um, I've not been a big Drew Verhagen fan. I still think he could maybe get a re-sign one-year cheap deal just for bullpen depth. Um, again, I'm hoping not. There definitely are other options. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely an option. And then we have Jose, I um, hope I'm saying this right, Kira Suto. Um, he was, again, kind of a triple-A journeyman. He came over from another team last year, um, middle infield depth. Um, a couple of the Cardinals' prospects, on the middle infield side have really, really boomed. Um, one of the players we got from the Baltimore Orioles for Jack Flaherty is a middle infielder and he is incredible as well. So I think kind of clearing out some of that triple a middle infield depth is necessary just to give some at bats to some players that maybe um, just deserve it a little bit more. So those three players have all elected free agency. And then we have three players that we have outrighted. So released off of our roster all three of them were on the 40 man at one point. Um, but then the Cardinals went out and signed three more players. So, you know, it went from 40 to 37 because of the next three players that I'm about to name. Um, but then we signed three players. So now it's again, still sitting at 40 and that was Kyle Leahy, Irving Lopez, Casey Lawrence. So the first guy, Kyle Leahy, you, you know, if you're an avid Cardinal fan and you've watched most of the games you've seen, he, he has made his debut and he's, Eh, not done too much. Um, again, more of just a depth piece for the bullpen. Um, we have outrighted him, so he will ha uh he'll he'll undergo minor league free agency. And then next is Irving Lopez. Again, another example of just triple A, double A, um, middle infield depth. So getting rid of some of those clogged spaces to to make room for some of these players that maybe again deserve some playing time a little bit more. And then last was Casey Lawrence. So him and Jacob Barnes were kind of in the same category where um you know, they just they came over in July. You know, again, we we had a mass exodus of pitching around July. You know, we had Genesis Cabrera, Jordan Hicks, uh, Montgomery, Chris Stratton, Jack Flaherty, you know, five pitchers on our major league roster that all left. So, you know, we had to replace a lot of those innings. And Jacob Barnes and Casey Lawrence were two ways that, you know, we achieved that. But both of them, again, were just kind of journeyman, both, you know, close to their 30s. They just, you know, they didn't they they helped in the immediate future. But, you know, now, you know, they kind of have fulfilled their role with the Cardinals and, you know, all both of them are free agents. And then last but not least, of course, Adam Wainwright retired. So, again, that left 
three spots on the 40 man roster that again, the Cardinals filled immediately with three players that were about to elect free agency from their other teams. And I'm going to go through all three of them. The first one, and we did this one fairly early. I think the playoffs were still going on when this happened. Um, and that was Buddy Kennedy. So Buddy Kennedy, he's 5'9", 185 pounds. He was released back in September from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, why that is important is because as we, you know, as we know from earlier, the Arizona Diamondbacks just made it all the way to the World Series. So they had a lot of roster crunches to make way for their playoff roster. And Buddy Kennedy, um, unfortunately, was a victim of that. So he's 25 years old. He primarily plays second base, um, can play third, can play left. Um, you know, he adds some position player depth. Um, defense is definitely not his calling card. Um, he does have shockingly fast uh, sprint times, but he does have a low amount of stolen bases. Um, but that fast speed is, again, able to let him leg out some extra base hits. So this year, he really had a breakout year. He hit 308, a batting average of 308. On base percentage of 432, which is very, very good, and a slugging percentage of 455. So that equates to an 887 OPS. Again, he was in the minor leagues most of the year for the Diamondbacks, which, again, a minor league guy, you know, signing a minor league guy who was, was released by another team, no, that does not sound great. Don't get me wrong. But again, you have to look at his AAA numbers, which I just said, and they're incredible, right? And the only reason he was released is because of a roster crunch from a playoff team. If the Diamondbacks hadn't made the playoffs and they weren't really in a pinch, he probably would have not gotten released. So the Cardinals were able to kind of take advantage of that and, you know, take some AAA slash major league depth away from a good team. So, so Buddy Kennedy expects him to play some sort of bench role next year. He might start the year in AAA, just depending on obviously what happens this offseason. Um, but again, let me repeat those numbers for you. They're very, very good. 308, 432 um, on base percentage, 450, uh, 455 slugging for an 887 OPS. That's very, very good. Okay. Um, his calling card, of course, is his positional versatility. So second base, third base, left field. Um, but again, let's look at that on base percentage, 432, right? That's, that's great. His bat to ball skills are very, very good, very elite. Uh, his plate discipline is elite. Um, you know, so I would feel confident having him you know, come up in a pinch due to an injury and giving us some quality at bats there in the middle infield if, you know, if something happens. So, um, you know, very, very, very good sign in my opinion. Um, low risk, essentially. Next is Jared Young. So similar situation, except he was on the Chicago Cubs. So the writing on the wall was that, of course, the Cubs were going to make these big moves. And again, about a week after Jared Young got designated for assignment, they signed... Craig Council to be their manager. So I think, again, the writing on the wall was that the Cubs were going to make a lot of roster moves. And Jared Young was just told that he was not going to be a part of it. So he elected minor league free agency. And then the very next day, um, you know, the Cardinals offered him a contract and he signed. So he's 28 years old, a little bit older than Buddy Kennedy. Again, Buddy Kennedy's 25, Jared Young, 28. Same kind of story, though. Adds positional versatility. He can play first base. Most of the innings he played were at first base, second base, left field. Um, of course, can DH. Uh, had a monster breakout year for the Iowa Cubs, which is their AAA affiliate for the Chicago Cubs. Batted 310, a 417 on base percentage, 
577 slug for a 994 OPS. He was top five in all of AAA across the entire major leagues in OPS. And again, had a true breakout year for the Cubs AAA affiliate. He had 21 home runs, 72 runs driven in. Again, mainly is going to play first base, can play left field as well. Um, he can play third in a pinch, uh, but a very below average defender there. And with, of course, Arenado and then uh, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker, both natural third basemen that play other positions, um, you know, probably, you know, writing on the wall that he's not going to play third base, but can back up there in a pinch. To me, with those numbers, he's a little bit faster. Again, he's six foot, 185, so pretty lean. To me, he immediately vaults ahead of Lucan Baker, Alec Burleson, Juan Yepes as that kind of first base left field uh, bench option. You know, his bat to ball skills are better than all three of them. He's faster than all three of them. Um, you know, maybe Lucan Baker and Juan Yepes have a little bit more pop. Um, but again, he had 21 home runs and had a 577 slugging percentage in AAA. So he definitely has some sneaky pop as well. So I don't think there's anything that any of those three players do that Jared Young can't do um, either just as well or, you know, maybe not even better. So um, and A-plus uh, uh, pickup for the Cardinals, in my opinion, for that. And then last but not least is a uh, bullpen addition. Now, we actually traded for him instead of just signing him like we did the other two. But again, the writing was on the wall that the Mariners were not going to offer him a contract. The Mariners are a contending team. They missed the playoffs this year by one game. They finished a half a game behind the Texas Rangers for that last wildcard spot. So, you know, they were one game in July against the Mariners away or against the Rangers away from switching spots and the Rangers not even making the playoffs in general. So um, the Mariners are right there. They're going to spend money. They have a very active GM. They're going to make some trades. And, you know, this guy is 28 years old. He's a relief pitcher. He had an incredible year in AAA, um, but just the Mariners kind of told him, hey, we're not going to really extend you a contract. Um, you know, you can elect minor league free agency or, you know, we'll try to find you a trade partner if you want. And he said, yeah, you know, just go ahead and do that. So the Cardinals banked on that as well. So he's 6'4", 180. So, you know, a little bit of a bigger reliever. His calling card is strikeouts. So in AAA this year for the Seattle Mariners affiliate, he pitched 55 innings out of the bullpen, 86 strikeouts. So again, I talked about it a couple episodes ago, but I'll repeat it again. The, a typical rule of thumb, when you're looking at strikeout numbers is you want to at least match. You want to have the amount of strikeouts that you do innings pitched. So again, 55 innings, 86 strikeouts is very, very elite, very, very above average. And, you know, if you've read any articles about the Cardinals, about what they plan to kind of focus on it's strikeouts. That is something that they feel like they have lacked in the past couple of years is developing strikeout pitchers. The Cardinals calling card for the past five years is pitch to contact pitchers. Now, with an elite defense, sure, but the the way the pendulum is swinging in the major leagues is 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 away from the pitch to contact. You know, the major leagues got rid of the um, the shift in the infield, so there's just more room on the infield for pitches to. Uh, I'm sorry for for balls to slip through. So, you know, kind of shifting away from that pitch to contact ground ball. Uh, you know, weak weak contact 
style of pitching and going more towards strikeouts. The rest of the league has taken notice and they've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, and unfortunately the Cardinals are lagging behind and Mazalock has even kind of mentioned that himself. So Riley O'Brien again, traded to, from the Mariners. He is kind of the first sign that the Cardinals are definitely going to be looking at higher strikeout pitchers. So again, he, he adds some bullpen depth in the bullpen, especially with Verhagen leaving and, um, you know, the Cardinals were terrible in one run games and blown save after blown save last year. We were one of the worst teams in one run games last year. So I think just adding some bullpen depth, we traded next to nothing for him. Um, a high strikeout pitcher. Again, just a no brainer. He was about to elect minor league free agency and he would have been very, very highly sought after. So, you know, good for the Cardinals to kind of, to kind of notice that and just trade for him before, before he hit the open market. So, so again, just to recap, Buddy Kennedy, position player, Jared Young, position player, Riley O'Brien, bullpen. So those are the three players that we added to our roster. Kyle Leahy, Irving Lopez, Casey Lawrence, all elected minor league free agency. That made our 40-man roster go from 40 back to 37. But then the addition of those three players brought it, brought it right back to 40. So as it stands today, the Cardinals 40 man roster is at 40. So that's with no moves being made this offseason. So you can kind of use some deductive reasoning here to, to assume that we are not going to keep all 40 people in the next couple of weeks, right? We have to open up some spots on the 40 man roster if we want to, you know, sign, you know, Dylan Cease. Or if we, I'm sorry, if we want to trade for Dylan Cease or sign Yamamoto from over in Japan or Sonny Gray or Aaron Nola or whoever whoever we plan on signing, right? We got to make some room on the 40 man roster to do that. So some potential candidates that again, the following players that I'm about to say are all on the 40 man roster, but don't necessarily play that big of a role to where I think that, you know, we can't, we're, we're not going to miss them too much, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So one is Michael Ciani. He is an outfielder, double a triple a wouldn't miss him too much. Moises Gomez, Jose Furman, Wilkie Rodriguez, John King, who we just traded for from the Texas Rangers, uh, Packy Naughton, Guillermo Zuniga, Daniel Hudson, Jake Woodford, Andrew uh, Andrew Kisner, Juan Yepes. You know, these are all these players. You know, that I just listed over 10 players that are – how many did I name? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 11. Yeah, 11 players I just named. Um, some of you have probably even never even heard of these guys before, right? And so that just goes to show that – they're not really playing that big of a role. And we, again, they're not going to miss them too much on the 40 man. So expect a couple of those players to not be tendered a contract in the next couple of weeks. Now, some trade candidates, I think, you know, we've talked about that already, so I'm not going to repeat myself that episode that I discussed that, but we have Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Juan Yepes, Alec Burleson, um, you know, so on the, we're not going to trade too many pitchers cause we well we need a lot of pitchers. <laughs> we already traded all our pitchers back in July. So, you know, don't expect us to trade too much pitching. Um, but Matthew Libertor is fair game. You know, I think he's shown that he's not, you can't really bank on him to be a major league regular starter. Um, Ivan Herrera, you know, Wilson Contreras had a top five offensive catching season last year. Um, you know, he'll probably catch a lot. Ivan Herrera is, has, has shown everything that he can possibly show in triple a. Um, so in a, in a pinch again, I think that he could possibly be traded again, depending on what the return is for that. 
And, you know, finally that last tier of player that could potentially be traded is Lars Newtbar, Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, right? That, that last tier of, you know, all three of those players still have three to four years of control left um, for cheap, you know, club friendly contracts. Will the Cardinals look to trade any of them? Absolutely not. They both or all three of them will be starting for the Cardinals in opening day. They're all 24, 25 or younger, again, with multiple years of control and all have all-star upside in their own ways. Okay. So it would take a lot for the Cardinals to trade, you know, any of those three, but if they are dead set on trading for an ace, you know, we have, we have Dylan Cease, we have Shane Bieber, we have any of those young Mariner starters, you know, you, you name a high profile ace and, you know, those three players are definitely, um, you know, up for grabs really, but I don't, I, it would take a lot for the Cardinals to trade any of them, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely not, not impossible. So, so that's where the 40 min roster is at today. That is a little, you know, my first Cardinals roster update of, of, Right now, where things are as we are going into the last couple of weeks of November, Thanksgiving is next week. Um, we'll see if any moves are made. Again, the non-tender deadline, or I'm sorry, Thanksgiving is two weeks away. Um, the non-tender, non-tender deadline's coming up. So it'll, you know, have a little bit more of a clear picture on who, you know, who the Cardinals don't see as part of their future, who they don't want to give a contract to. Um, you know, all that stuff. So, so that's all I got for you right now. Again, I'll make a couple episodes or I'm sorry, I'll make another episodes here in a couple. Oh my gosh. I'll make another episode here in a, here in a couple weeks, just to go over again, I'm going to have roster updates kind of as we go, excuse me, through the season. So Mazalok has been quoted saying that he wants to get ahead of the market early. You know, he doesn't want to wait for all these pitchers to sign and he is, you know, picking through the scraps. He wants to, he wants to make an impact pretty early. Um, you know, they, they've identified several players as possible targets. Um, you know, it would be kind of improper for me to go through each one because there's so many, right? We we just need pitching in, in really in any way. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals tried to sign a couple like low level guys to fill in at the back of their of their rotation to eat innings. Because, again, look at how many innings we just lost. Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery, um, Zach Thompson didn't give us very good innings. Matthew Libertor didn't give us very good innings. Dakota Hudson didn't give us very good innings. Jake Woodford didn't give us too many good innings. Steven Matz was hurt a lot last year. Miles Michaelis is 36. So, you know, I'm not saying they're going to go out and sign Aaron Nola the first minute opportunity that they can. I mean, hopefully they do, but um, I'd be, I wouldn't be shocked if the Cardinals decided to, to sign a couple back end guys at the beginning but also I really just hope they go out and get Yamamoto first thing. I don't know. We, we will, uh, we will see how it goes, but that's all I have for you now. So hopefully I have some news here in a couple of weeks. I'll put out a podcast soon and, um, and yeah, and then we'll go from there. So looking forward to the off season as always, if anybody has any questions, please, you know, feel free to let me know anything I can always do to improve, improve the quality of the podcast, but I appreciate everyone listening and uh, peace out. <laughs>